Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, CityWalk. How are we doing today? Uh, We're glad you're here today. Uh, I am Chris Dowdy. I am not Chris Fincham. Our lead pastor is away on vacation this week. And if you've never heard him speak before, I would encourage you to make it a point to come back when he is speaking. He'll be a blessing to you, and you'll be glad you met him. Um, But I am, I serve as the pastor of Family Ministries here, which means I help do a lot of different things, Uh, two of which are small groups, which just began here at our church. And if you're not a member of a city group, I would encourage you to get involved. It's a great way to connect and a a great way to meet people and to really live out faith together. As well, I, I help run the city kids ministry, which we are not functioning city kids at the moment here in our church setting. However, we are doing our best to to still try to minister to your kids through uh, video online, through activity sheets, trying to connect with your children. So we're glad you're here this morning, and uh, let's start up. I want to start by making a declarative statement. I like movies. Who's with me? I I like movies. Good. A lot of hands went up. I like that. However, I am not a gore hound. Now, this is a new term to me. You may know it. Maybe you're perfect with this, but a gore hound is someone who loves horror movies. That is not Chris Dowdy. As a matter of fact, anything scary upsets my fragile mental psyche. I don't like scary movies. I don't like scary TV shows. I don't even like scary, fi- scary stories around the campfire. That is not me. However, uh, a lot of people do like those. And in one in particular, zombies. This, this genre of movie has got, become really popular. Anybody here a fan of The Walking Dead? See, a, a, a couple hand maybe went up. All right, Walking Dead fans, good for you. That's, that's great. I saw the opening scene to episode one of this series and realized that was enough for me for about three lifetimes. I was good with that, didn't need any more. However, the zombies seem to be having their day. And there is something intriguing about this idea of mindless bots basically roaming the earth, just ruled by their desires and a group of awake people who are trying to live among them. And, and the really crazy part about the whole zombie genre is that that's not too terribly far from the actual truth that goes on in our world. You know, there actually are walking dead among us. There are crowds of people who are driven blindly by their passions and their flesh. They're following their own desires. They are full of wrath and they're full of anger. This is a real deal. However, these people are not deformed. They don't have, they don't have a, a staggered step. They live in homes. They hold down jobs. They drive cars just like us. But nevertheless, they are dead. I see dead people. Okay? Actually, we've all been in this state. It's our natural state as human beings. The scripture tells us that every single person, man, woman, boy, girl, they all started in the same place. We all started out dead. 
We all were there. It's a great equalizer. Now, while there is no cure for the zombie virus in The Walking Dead, there is a solution to our problem. Do you want to know what it is? It's real easy. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and you figure out how deep the rabbit hole goes. Then you take the... No, that's from another movie franchise. However, the answer is found in Ephesians chapter 2, where we're going to be today. But let's pray first, and we'll get into our text. Lord, help us this morning. We need your spirit to apply truth today to our hearts and to our lives. I pray that, Lord, you would help those of us who are listening to this, who are dead, and give them life. And those of us who already have life, God, help us be encouraged in your good news. We love you, God, and we need you now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Paul, who wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, used to be, at one time in his life, antagonistic to Christianity. His sole goal was to stop the growth of these Jesus followers. And actually, while he was on the road one day to go put followers of Jesus in prison, God interrupted his journey. God stopped this staggering death stroll of Paul. He was dead just like the rest of humanity. And God made him alive. Paul ended up becoming a great follower of Jesus. He went all over the world planting churches and writing letters, many of which are now part of the scriptures today, including this book. Now, in chapter 1, we read about the amazing gifts that God has given followers of Jesus. In the last two weeks of this series, Pastor Chris Fincham has been telling us about those gifts and reminding us that we can use those gifts as we serve Jesus. As we enter chapter 2 this morning, we will see Paul begin to talk about contrast. The contrast between those who are dead without Christ and those who have been made alive with Christ. You know, um, Let's go ahead. Let's just start off with verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This morning's message is very simple, but it has life-changing power, and it's taken directly from our text. You were dead, but God made us alive. You were dead, but God made us alive. I want you to think about this. All of us were spiritually stillborn. Every single one of us. Sadly, most people still are. We all began life dead. Wherever you are in life, wherever you are on your relationship with God, we all started from the same spot. Our past experience is a common denominator. In John chapter 3, Jesus had a very famous conversation with a religious man named Nicodemus. Now, today we'd probably call him Nick. And as they talked... Jesus told Nick that there were two shades of life. There was the physical life, the here, the now, what we, what we see and feel, and there's spiritual life. Now, this spiritual life 
does not begin immediately at our original birthday. No, spiritual life, our spiritual birth, takes place when we trust Jesus Christ to forgive us from our sins. This is the second birth, and it's why Jesus told Nick that he must be born again. That's where the phrase comes from. And in our passage today, Paul is reminding us of this same truth. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. It all started at the very beginning with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in a perfect world. It was a garden full of trees that bore fruit and gave them plenty of food. And he only gave them, gather this, he only gave them one rule, one, one law. Now I would love to think that if I only had one rule in my house or one rule at work, that I could follow that rule and I would be clean. Unfortunately, the experience of Adam and Eve shows us differently. And as we see, Adam and Eve had the same mistake. They took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they ate it, and they sinned or rebelled against God. And when they sinned, they died spiritually. Unfortunately, when they died spiritually, so did all of us. See, we were killed by the same virus that killed our greatest grandparents, sin. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that one man was Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. In other words, Houston, we have a problem. And here's our problem. We are spiritually dead. And though some spiritually dead people have done impressive physical things, the Bible characterizes us in a less than fortunate way. Look at, look at the words. It says we're carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. Doesn't this describe the world we live in to a T? We're carrying about the desires of the body. This explains why our world is obsessed, addictively obsessed, with sensuality and lust. I mean, I'm trying to watch some Italian soccer on ESPN+, and I can't escape it even in the commercials, guys. But it's not just that. It's drugs and alcohol. There are so many in our world who are trying to mask their dead feelings with some chemically induced ones. You know, I, I've been reading through some Tom Clancy books lately, and I can't help but give this quote here. These drug cartels represent a clear and present danger to the national security of the United States of America. I love that line from clear and present danger. Did you know that food porn is a thing? I, I did not know that. That's weird, right? But it's a thing. Like, it, it's all about the desires of the body. And you know what's crazy about the desires of the body is it goes both ways. It's not just the things that we might consider vices. It's the, the good things that we take to extremes. The crazy fitness trends that are out there and among us. I have a coworker who is into hot yoga. I mean, that's, okay. If you're into hot yoga, that's great for you. But if I'm going to be twisted up and baked, I, I may as well call me a pretzel. I can't handle that. I don't want to do that. I, that's nuts. I like what Emily said in The Devil Wears Prada. She says, I'm just one stomach flew away from my goal weight. And that's the kind of world we live in, right? We have crazy things for the body all over the place. But naturally, it's not just the body. We naturally focus on the desires of our minds as well. 
you know, we love our entertainment. As you can tell probably from already in, the, in this message, I like my movies. I'm a big fan of that. But imagine this. I, over the last couple months, there have been quite a few things that we enjoy as a normal course of life, which have been unavailable to us, right? Can you imagine if the internet had been one of those things taken away? Because we love our entertainment. That would have been a problem. But it's not just the internet. It's the likes and the dislikes. We all have the things that we like, but now with, the, with social media and its great prominence in our lives, we now can be obsessed with the likes and dislikes of others. Double plus good, right? That's great stuff. But it doesn't end with the body and the mind. The scriptures also say we were by nature children of wrath. You know, something that cuts me to the heart often is how easily I can get angry about silly things. It's, it's just, it's in our nature. What illustrates this perfectly is where we are in our world right now the political season in particular, it is so hard for us to disagree and be agreeable. Because it's our nature. We're just, we're drawn toward anger. I like this. What drives that is we have, we have a failure to communicate. And, and that's where we live. It drives anger. How many of you guys have ever had this experience? You've been driving down the road, having a great day, singing your favorite song on the radio, and out of nowhere you get cut off. What's your nature in that situation? Sadly, I, I know mine. But that's where we are. That's where we are as natural people. Now, we're tempted to say, oh, no, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But the man is there, and we need to pay attention to this nature. Because by our nature, we are dead. We're no different than the rest of mankind. We are all dead and disobedient. And what this means is, I'm not really better than anyone else. No. I'm on the same thing. Do not put Chris Dowdy on a pedestal. But it also means that I'm not really worse than anybody else. We're all on the same playing field. We're all, by nature, dead. Now, I know our tendency. Our tendency is to say, well, just keep swimming. If we do it, we'll get against the current. We'll get over that ridge. But it doesn't work. Because we can swim as hard as we want, but we're still going to end up in the teeth of the shark. Because we're dead. Yeah, I remember in second grade, I won the Bible trivia contest at Calvary Baptist Church in Lakeland, Florida. I was excited, all right? I mean, fun times. I was like grease lightning on the button. I knew all the answers. I crushed it. And on the way home from that event, we stopped at a convenience store, and we did this a lot. My mom would let us all pick out drinks from the soda fountain. So we all got our drinks. And this particular day, I thought, you know what? Chris Dowdy just won. I deserve a little extra. So I reached out, and I grabbed me a pack of bazooka bubble gum. I slid that guy in my pocket, and I walked right out the door. Didn't cost me anything, right? Well, actually, it cost me quite dearly later that night when my parents realized what I had done. But it also illustrated a point. I, even as a second grader, I knew stuff about the Bible. I had been involved with church. But I was still 100% dead. I needed something else. And we find that something else in verse 4 of our passage. 
but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I could not solve the problems in my life. I couldn't. I was a thief. I was a manipulator. I was adrift because I was dead. I needed God to providentially step into my world and make me alive. That's what I needed. I didn't need to memorize more verses. I didn't need to be around church more. I needed God. I remember as a teenager, I was playing games and I knew it, but I looked great. I led a civic club. I made good grades, all the things you expect from a right kind of teenager. Went to church often with my family. I was even one of those kids that would gather around the flagpole on mornings and pray around the flag. And, and we did it more than once a year. We did it often. But I was dead. And I remember as clear as day, sitting in a room at George Jenkins High School and Rick Garland presenting the gospel in the ABCs of salvation. A, a similar format I'm going to share in, at the end of this message. And I remember the, for the first time that day, it was as clear as blue skies to me of what Jesus had done for Chris Dowdy. I knew that I needed to trust Christ for myself. I needed Jesus because I was dead. And when God stepped in, he had me at hello. It was, down, it was all, all over. God gave me direction. He gave me life from that moment on. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus gives life to the dead and purpose to the drifting. Jesus gives life to the dead and purpose to the drifting. In John chapter 10, God said something that changed my life forever. Jesus is teaching a crowd, and he says this fantastic statement. The thief, that's, that's Satan himself, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What a friend, right? What a great friend. Steal, kill, destroy, that's what you want. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That verse changed everything for me. Because I realize that I can have more than mere existence in this world. I can have rich, full, meaningful life. Because that's what God meant when he died on the cross. It was not simply that I would be alive. It's that I would live life through him and enjoy it. Check out the awesome way that God is described in this passage. In verse 4, we see that God is rich in mercy. God abounds in mercy. God's mercy is so great that no matter how you try to contain it, it will overflow the container. It's like too much yeast in bread. It is coming out of that container and it's going everywhere. That's God's mercy. But God also extends great love. Now this idea of great, that's actually an accounting term. And it means that no matter how you try to account it, God's love can't be fully accounted for. 
Now, I have to make a confession here. I, I'm an engineer by training. I, I work in Sacramento as an engineer, and in general, I don't fit a lot of the stereotypes of a, of a typical engineer, but one of them I really do. I love a good spreadsheet. I just love it, man. You ask my wife, if we've got a question, I'm making a spreadsheet, I'm crunching stuff out. I love that. Well, I did a little crunching, and I found out that if you used every cell, every column, every row, every cell in an Excel spreadsheet, you would have over, have over 17 billion cells that you could populate. And, and I, I, I don't care, it's not an overstatement. If you used every 17 billion cell to try to, try to calculate and accrue God's love, it would still be insufficient because God's love is great. And I can't believe what I'm about to do. I'm about to quote the notebook. Strap in, buckle down, but it's a great quote. The best love is the kind that awakens the soul and makes us reach for more that plants a fire in our hearts and brings peace to our minds. And that kind of love is, is not necessarily found in the arms of another human. That kind of love is found in the arms of our Savior and Creator, Jesus Christ. That is great love. In verse 7, we see that God shows immeasurably rich grace. Now, God's grace is, is really profound favor to us. It is totally undeserved and absolutely astounding. Literally, in the passage, Paul is saying that it's impossible to exaggerate God's grace. It's impossible. The, the word for immeasurable is actually a word that they would use to describe in the ancient Greek Olympics. And what they would say is, if a javelin thrower had a javelin in his hand and there was a target, if he overthrew the target... That was this word, immeasurable. And it's the idea of this. Uh, to illustrate, when I was a kid, I would get a football, I'd have a friend, I'd say, go long. No, I'd keep going. And we all did this as a kid. You would, they would be running for the long pattern, and I would step back and heave that ball as hard as I possibly could with the attempt to try to overthrow my friend. And when God has his target on us with grace, he overthrows us with grace every single time. That's exactly what God's grace is like. It cannot be understated. God's grace cannot be understated. Look at verse 8. Shows us the end result. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we are saved from sin. We've been given faith. We are God's workmanship. And he has given us purpose. You complete me. When we choose to follow Jesus, God makes us alive. And he gives us something better than our original nature. Instead of carrying about the desires of the body, we have the power to reject the things of this world. We can reject this world's addiction to sensuality and lust. I am glad to stand here on this platform and tell you that God can 
and has given many freedom from the bondage of pornography. And if you're in that trap right now, there is hope in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. God, God will help us from the addictions that we have chemically, be it drugs or alcohol. What God gives cannot be found at the bottom of a, of a, of a glass, whether it's shaken or stirred. Now, I don't want to overdo this. There are, there are definitely situations where people have physical addictions, and they need some professional help to get through some physical cycles. I would encourage you to do that. But I can resolutely tell you that the alternative that Jesus Christ gives us is better than that chemically induced feeling. Also, as followers of Jesus, we can enjoy the food that God provides for us. And we don't have to be ruled by it. We can also embrace the bodies that God has given us. We don't have to search after airbrushed, inhumane images. We can be free from that rat race. God gives us freedom. But it doesn't stop with our bodies. It still continues with the desires of our mind. You know, God allows us grace to enjoy the presence of our families and his presence. We don't have to be wrapped up in the, the click approval of people we don't even know. Instead, we can use these social media platforms as a tool to present the gospel and God's grace to others. We can be free from these things that wrap our mind. And instead of having a nature of wrath, we can and should extend God's grace to others. When someone has a political view that makes your skin crawl, you can still show kindness and even love to that person. And if the opportunity is there and you need to engage that person, you can do so in a way that does not breed anger. Now, I know what you're thinking here. Surely, you can't be serious. But I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Nevertheless, being alive with God's grace, you know, I might even be able to, uh, to keep myself together the next time I get cut off on 99 coming home. Because God's grace changes things. It does. It opens up a new door, a better door. It opens up a door that has life behind it. And that's what we need. There's a lot for us to be grateful for. God made me alive, and he changed my life forever. And I know resolutely that God wants the same thing for you. You know, in City Kids, when we meet together, each week we share the gospel. We share the good news of Jesus Christ, and we usually use an acronym called the ABCs of salvation. So I wanted to share that with you briefly this morning in a way to kind of close out the message and to let us understand the gospel in a simple term. And since this is for City Kids, it's, elementary, my dear Watson. You got that? So here we go. A is for admit. Now, what we're saying here is that you need to admit that you are dead without God's help. We're dead. What this means is I, am, I have no ability to help myself or to make myself alive. I am totally and utterly dead without God's intervention in my life. I need Jesus. We cannot do it on our own. B is for believe. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to the cross 
so that we can have life. You see, God understands our sin problem, our death problem, far more fully than we even understand it ourselves. God gets it. And because God understands this, and because God loves us, God took action. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for me and for you. That's, that's, that's immeasurably rich grace that I can't fully understand. God loved me so much that he gave his son for me. And when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die some meaningless death. His death took my sins upon himself and offered me forgiveness. And that leads us to see, choose. We must choose to follow Jesus through faith. It's no longer my trusting myself to be able to work out my own salvation or be good enough to make it all happen. That will never, ever work. If you've ever met me, you know that's a, that's a bad idea. Instead, it's trusting Jesus, choosing to follow him and let him have your life. Because when Jesus have your, has your life, he gives you spiritual life that is better has more value, and is deeper than anything we know without him. You see, I was dead, unequivocally dead. But our incomprehensibly gracious God made me alive. And as I, as I speak here this morning, I can see the faces in my mind. And I have kids, I have family, I have neighbors, I have friends who are still dead. And I'm begging our gracious God to make them alive. I have the same prayer for you. If you're sitting here this morning and, and you don't know Jesus, this, this truth of the scripture is plain. And it begs a response. Now you may be sitting here and thinking, ah, I hear what you're saying, Chris. But I'm not sure I've bought in on all this Jesus lifestyle yet. And if that's you, I want you to know I'm glad you're here. And no one here is going to try to push you into anything. That is not how we roll. But let me encourage you. If you're still not sure, if you're on the fence, you're exploring faith, keep asking questions. God has never been and never will be intimidated by your questions. Instead, he asks you to ask them the Bible tells us that those who seek after God will find him. So keep looking, and you'll get the answers. And if you have questions, we will be glad to help you. But maybe you're here this morning, and you say, Chris, what you said this morning resonates with me. Maybe you're listening on the podcast this week in your car, driving to work, and you are stung in the heart with the idea that you are dead. Perhaps you're sitting on Facebook right now and you realize, wow, I need life. And if that's you, this morning is your opportunity to accept Jesus and to get that life. Today can be your spiritual birthday. If you're here in person, there's a connect card in the pew right in front of you. Just grab it from the rack, fill in one of those bubbles that talks about starting a relationship with Jesus or re-engaging. 
and come talk with myself or someone else at the Next Steps table after the service. I would be happy to help you. Any of our team would. One of the reasons we started this church was to help people start and grow in their relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're watching this on Facebook or again, you're listening to this podcast and you say, I need to make that decision. Let us know. Contact us through direct message or through the website, citywalkchurch.com, and we would love to reach out to you and help you in any way that we can. Because here's the simple fact of it. God wants all of us to be alive. That's why he paid such a high price for our lives. He wants us to be alive and have a purpose in Jesus. But let's start living that life as soon as possible. Let's pray together. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share your word this morning. And I ask that your spirit would, would prick, prick the hearts of people. Lord, those who need you, I ask that you would use, use your word to save souls. Bring people to you. Use us as a church to love people and help them in their relationship with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.